Welcome to Secret Sauce for Success, show number three. Hi, everybody. You have tuned in to the Secret Sauce for Success show, where we strive to find the secret ingredients that lead to success. We interview successful guests every week and learn their secret to their success. We sincerely hope you implement these habits into your life and become the best you that you can be. Enjoy the show. What's going on, everybody? This is Rick Stahl, host of the Secret Sauce for Success show, live from Colorado with my co-host, Doug Kirstein. How's it going, Doug? Rick, it's going very well. Thank you, sir. How are you this week? Good, good. You know, just always something going on. Uh, some of our rentals, we're, we're pulling the trigger on getting them painted, you know, this spring. Maintenance type stuff always uh, on my mind. CapEx, I think they call it, for the big expenditures, maintenance. Right, the rehab, we got got a quote for removing some dead trees, so a little bit of rehab costs there going, but things are going good. How about you? Got anything going on? Oh, man, always busy, always busy. Got a lot going on this week, so yeah, keeping myself busy. I'm working on a uh, an analysis process for some real estate, so once as I move forward on that and get kind of that developed, I'll bring it in and let everybody kind of take a look at that and show it to you. It's exciting stuff, man. I'm, I'm excited for it. Busy week always, you know? Yeah, you got to be busy. Before we move on, uh, do you have a thought for the week? Yeah, I uh, always like to find a good quote. You know, there's uh, people who are far wiser than me who've come out and lived longer than I have and lived larger than I have. One of my favorite quotes about uh, investment and money is from Oscar Wilde. Anyone who lives within their means suffers from a lack of imagination. Huh. (laughs) I don't want to encourage anyone to pick up any bad habits or go out and buy a brand new car they can't afford. But, you know, if you're thinking, I just can't afford to buy a house or I just can't afford to marry or I can't afford to have a kid, you're never going to buy a house. You're never going to get married. You're never going to have a kid. If you if you really want things to happen, you got to figure out how to make them happen. I'm looking forward to hearing the interview here for Brooks O'Hearn and what he has to say about achieving your goals man i have to say just very impressed i mean he he has everything going on really i mean this guy's busy as he can be i thought i had a lot going on and it turns out watching reruns of the big bang theory is not high on the list of things that he likes to do so you know i gotta change my ways a little bit rick it's interesting to listen to a fellow like him doing all these different things investing these uh he's a realtor like you are isn't that right that's right. We went through some of the classes together. Yeah, he sure is a go-getter, man. And so trying to think of something to talk about about him last night. The best analogy I could come up with was like a play on Marvel superheroes is, you know, he's a cross between Obi-Wan Kenobi, The Flash, and Captain America. He played a Jedi mind trick on me because there's no way he can be in his 20s. You know, I mean, with that much wisdom... And he's like the Flash because he got so much going on. He makes me feel like I'm standing still. He's like Captain America because he's just so darn honest and straightforward with things. Anyhow, I think if Marvel needs another superhero, I think we found him. Nice. Well, maybe for his next birthday, we'll buy him a shield with a big target or whatever those circles are painted on it from Captain America. Or a hat with little wings, maybe. <laughs> what a good guy though man he he has it all going on with coaching investing and a real estate agent amazing yeah uh, he was great let's uh 
let's get to the interview here. We'll let everybody hear what he has to say and we'll wrap it up from there. All right. And on to the interview. All right. Welcome to Secret Sauce for Success. We have Brooks O'Hearn with us tonight. Welcome to the show. Thank you guys for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be, uh, to be on the show. Glad to have you. So Brooks, who are you? Tell us about yourself. So I am a real estate investor, a realtor, and coach would be the easiest ways to describe myself here in the Denver area. And I've been, been investing with my family in, in a full family business now for, for almost eight years. I've been licensed for a little over three years now and been, been coaching for three years as well and coaching on the investment side of things. I've coached over 2,000 students across the country. And really, if, if I have to you know, boil it down, I'm, I'm a serial entrepreneur who just happens to love real estate and uh, loves working with my family. Okay. So you mentioned your family. So, I mean, how did you get into real estate? Was it your family? Yeah, actually. So it took a little bit of time for them to come to this conclusion and give me the credit. It, it was actually my idea to get into real estate, obviously based with my parents and the way they raised me. So to take it back a little bit, my parents were always having us read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and, and go through financial education, real estate education. I very vividly remember taking the, the board game cash flow on vacations with us as a kid, wow. and especially in high school. My freshman year in college, my parents actually bought Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the book for all of my friends. I think they bought probably 15 copies, you know, all of my closest friends and, and gave it to all of them for Christmas. Fast forward just a couple of years, I was in college going from sophomore into junior year. I took a semester off between junior college and, and I was going to transfer to four-year university. And as the saying goes, don't take the semester off because you'll never go back. Uh, it, yeah. it was true. So I kind of started thinking during that semester and, and really getting my understanding of what I wanted to do and, and you know where I wanted to go, you know, what was my purpose for continuing my education. Through that, you know, I really went back to real estate. I started doing a lot of research found that there were other ways to get into real estate and you know it, it didn't take multi-millions of dollars in the bank to get started investing and, and being an entrepreneur. I actually went to an event where they were selling mentorship and coaching programs. And so I, I actually I got out of it. I called my parents and said, hey, there's an event tomorrow night down in Aurora where they were living. I was in Fort Collins at the time. And, and I said, Hey, you guys should go check it out. They have a weekend event coming up. If you guys sign up for it, they said that I can tag along since I'm still in college. From there, the pitch basically went, I've got all the time. You've got all the money and let's make something work. And here we are eight years later, my brothers joined the crew after he graduated from high school and then college as well. So that's how we got our start. What was this uh, coaching? Can you tell the name of it? Or Yeah, it's Fortune Builders with Dan Merrill and, and his crew. I actually went on. That was where I got my coaching start. So we actually, my mom and I actually became coaches with their program later on in our careers. Uh, love the program, speak very highly of them. We've been through many other different coaching programs, and I, and I know of many others that are out there. Uh, I speak very highly of them, love them. So at what point did you start, you did this coaching and then how did you transition into uh, 
real estate, real estate agents. Yeah. So, so initially it was just investing and, and I pretty much, you know, I pretty much right away told my parents like, Hey, I'm not going back to school. I see the potential in this. And I see that there is a whole nother piece of education out there that can be done by learning and, and running a business. And so we spent the next six months studying and evaluating offers, writing offers, and, and trying to find our first deal. It took us just under six months before we got that first deal. And so that was, that was then August of that same year. And it was, it was literally, I'll never forget it. It was right before my 21st birthday. I, I literally signed the documents with my parents to buy this first house. And then the next day caught a plane and my buddies and I were going to Vegas. I was the last one to turn 21. So we were, we were celebrating um, the, my birthday. And so I was investing with, with my family then for about five years before I got my license and really took the step. Um, you know, initially I was like, eh, I don't, I don't see the need for the license, right. To, to be the agent on deals. And um, then I, I really started thinking it, of all the ways that could expand the business. Then I added it and, you know, fast forward almost three years now since, or a little over three years now since I've had my license and, you know, it's been a great additional stream of revenue for me and absolutely wish I had done it sooner. Don't need it, but wish I had done it sooner. So me and you got the, our licenses about the same time, I believe. Yes. Because we were taking classes together. Um, yes. So again, I've heard arguments about whether you need to have a license for an investor or, or not. And there is a little bit of extra work involved with keeping up our licenses. Um, you know, and I think, I think, you know, it is extra work, but it also does give you a lot more visibility into the MLS and just, just keeps you a little closer to the action, I think. Absolutely. I think the doors that it opens for you, whether it's, you know, access to the MLS or connections with other realtors or, or even just as simple as just having some credibility to say, Hey, I am, I, I am licensed. And, and I took that extra step and I take my business and my career that extra step seriously, um, I, I think is, is important and it's, it's very valuable. And then, you know, I also, uh, I, I understand and respect the side of the people that want to just fly below the, below the radar and, and don't want to really manage all the, the paperwork and the headaches and things. Um, but, but truly, when I, can, when I can sit down face-to-face with a seller and say, hey, I've got a couple options. I can either buy your house directly from you as an investor, or I can list it for you. And, you know, my marketing plan speaks for itself on that side, Right. I, I've got an edge over somebody who maybe only has one of those options. So for me, it's, it's really only paid dividends. Is it a few extra hours? You know, does it take one to two days a year to, to really buckle down and, and get educated? Yes. But I take five or six days anyway with continuing education and, and go that extra mile. Cause I love it. I love learning and that's, you know, I'm, I'm open to it. Very good. Very good. Doug, do you have any questions for Brooks? Yeah, you know, as I'm sitting here listening to you talking about getting the real estate license, uh, I've been kind of in and out of the real estate market for probably the last 20 years. In fact, I started in financial services as a mortgage broker. That was back in 1997. So I've been around wow, for all right. a couple of years, you know. 
And I remember when interest rates broke 6% and people were like, I can't believe this. There's no way it's going to go lower than that. Well, here you are, you know, sub three. It's amazing these days. But uh, I mean, what, what do you think is the real benefit of having a, a, a real estate license? What, what real benefit does that give you versus somebody like me who goes to all the websites and, and uh, you know, RE Colorado and broker, uh, what, what is it, uh, realtor.com, that kind of thing? Yeah. So, I mean, for me, I get, I get faster access to information. I I get uh, more access to information. You know, there are some, there are some groups I've, I've personally, you know, I've, I've bought at least one deal off of the, you know, one deal that sticks out very vividly in my mind is, is a deal that I bought because of a Facebook group that someone else posted. It's a realtor only Facebook group. And they said, Hey, I've got this, this, uh, project or property, excuse me, this property coming to market. And if you have any buyers for it, let me know. I called them immediately, gave them an offer. And that offer was ultimately accepted before it ever hit the market. So, you know, for those reasons, it, it, it pays off as far as just, you know, kind of the VIP access, if you will. And then on the back end, you know, I have a little bit more control over the sale of the property and the negotiation of the property as we're, as we're flipping and selling, because if I'm listing it, then I'm, I'm right in there with, with my family and I know exactly what's going to come. And it just allows, allows for more control as well as of course, you know, the additional income in the uh, you know, from, from the sale of it. I mean, we've had, I've, I've used it, Oftentimes we use the agent that brings it, brings the property to us, but, you know, I've used my license for like 10 transactions in the last few years. So, you know, it's just, just an additional stream of revenue. And, and actually recently my dad got his license. So now we've partnered and, and we'll co-list all of our listings. So it's just, you know, that, that extra degree for us is, is pretty nice. Very good. So, so you did the coaching, you got your real estate license. And so your investment point your you know your investment part of it here is it fix and flips fix and holds tell us about that yeah so our main focus has been fix and fix and flips um we've done a few wholesale deals throughout the throughout that time you know where we buy it and then really quickly resell it normally that only comes when we're at our capacity for projects and you know we've we've got the we've got a large network now of other real estate investors you know who we can we can sell those deals to but uh, our main focus has been fix and flip and then just last year we started really opening up our search into commercial properties where we will fix and hold so you know multi unit apartment buildings we're looking in, in the neighborhood, you know, minimum of 20 unit buildings or more that uh, we can we can fix and then refinance and hold using the Burr model, which is, you know, real estate term. The acronym is buy, renovate, rent, and then refinance. So just just hold that so we get our capital back. Um, can you can that, you uh, expand on that just a little bit when you you buy it, you rehab it, right? Yep. Uh, so your buy point, is there a certain price point that you're shooting for there? Yeah, normally it's percentage wise. So I just, I just reverse engineer what it would take to get a, um, take to get a conventional mortgage. And that's, excuse me, that's 20 to 25% down or equity in this case, you know, cause if you already, if you already own the property using cash or hard money or, or you know, some other form of financing, 
then that 20 to 25% can just be equity. I don't have to bring more cash to the table. So if I reverse engineer it and I, I say, let's just take the larger of the two and say 25% equity. So I'm projecting a, a $2 million valuation on this building at the end of the renovation, then take 25% of that. And, and my mark now is 1.5 million for, um, for what the bank will finance. So if I want to get all the cash back for renovations and, and costs outlaid, then the reverse engineer math there is I take 1.5 million minus all of those costs that it'll take me during the renovation and the hold period. And I, I, uh, it, uh, subtract that is the word I'm looking for, subtract that and, and uh, create my purchase price using that math. So let's say, you know, just using round numbers that I'm kind of pulling out of thin air for the example, sure. if it's 1.5 million that the bank will finance, and I know I have $250,000 of costs to renovate and, and hold it for, you know, a certain period of time, then my offer is 1.25 million and, you know, they take it or they don't. And we, we start negotiating from there. So if I can reverse engineer it, the, the ideal goal, and it doesn't always work this way, but the ideal goal is, of course, zero dollars out of pocket at the end of that refinance. You know, but in all reality, if, if let's say let's say we come to, you know, we come to terms at fifty thousand dollars out of pocket, you know, who doesn't want an apartment building worth two million dollars with fifty thousand dollars out of pocket at the end of the deal? Right. I mean, you kind of, you kind of take your, your wins in, in that sense. Right. Exactly. So yeah, you buy it at a nice price point, you rehab it, you rent it out and then you go to the bank. Now I've heard there's like a season period uh, before you can go to the bank. Yeah. So it depends, depends on the bank. Normally, you know, if you've got a a small community bank, you can generally get a, a seasoning period of as little as three months. So really, you know, if you've got a majority of your units rented and you can prove, of course, through through their verification and underwriting that all these leases are legit, they've been vetted. And, you know, it's not like you're just throwing random tenants in there with with crazy specials. You get them you get everybody in for for three months and then you can have your uh, um, they'll finance the entire project. Huh. I've never heard. I always thought it was six months was a hard number. So that's good to hear that it's not yeah. quite so hard there. Those, you know, those local banks are, are always your, your best friend. I mean, you know, you find, find the smaller banks. It's not, you're not dealing with Chase or Wells Fargo or anything like that, that, you know, are, have a national presence and have to have, have to follow all these rules. You know, you, you find these local banks, they do all their own underwriting. They would love to take projects on at, at those price points. So huh. they're happy to lend on it. They love staying in the community and, and those are your best friend. Huh. So you're able to get in, do the bird method, get out and repeat, right? The last exactly. Hour. Exactly. Okay. So, so are there, uh, Brooks, are there special terms that you look for? Pardon you, Rick. No, uh, special ahead. terms that you look for when you are uh, talking to banks like that, something that you, you kind of ask them about specifically the smaller banks? You know, it's, it, it's not necessarily um, that, that I'm asking for much. I'm, I'm just, te- I tend to ask them, you know, what are their standard terms? And generally, then I'll, I'll go into where are the areas where they have some wiggle room, right? Is it, w- would they rather wiggle on an interest rate? Would they rather wiggle on the, the loan to value? Or would they rather wiggle on some of their underwriting? And 
they all have their own different risk profiles and things like that. So I really just try to work with them as best I can. And I, I, you know, I mentioned reverse engineering. I want to have those conversations with those banks prior to even purchasing the building, because I want to work my numbers from purchase to make sure I have it all built up for a great case. I can literally just take the, take the loan to them and say, or, you know, here's all my paperwork. Here's everything you asked for. I've got all my I's dotted and T's crossed. So it, it really depends on the lender, but, but understanding and getting to know them and how they work is, is the most important part. And that sounds very familiar from my experience in the mortgage business. Like somebody tells yeah. me something and I say, well, that, these guys won't work, but this one over here, maybe. So, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So having multiple of those banks and multiple options at the end of a project, I mean, just the same as you just said, right? Have, have some have some different exit strategies and, and know exactly who you have on your team and, and who you have at your disposal. And sometimes you can even get banks to kind of I wouldn't say pit against each other, but you, you know, you tell them, Hey, I'm, I'm getting this, these rates and these terms over here. You know, what can you do for me? Can you match it? Can you beat it? And, and start to get some of those lenders that, that really want to compete for your business. And, and then, you know, you get into the, the best case scenario there. Sure. Yeah. That's one thing I don't think I do very well is get multiple bids or multiple quotes on things. So I think that's one area I can improve in. Absolutely. I think that's something, I mean, if, if you want to, if you want to take that and, and expand on that, I would say not just lending, I mean, anything in, in business, right. Always get, always get multiple answers. And, and of course, as we all know, price is never the, the only determining factor, right. If price is your determining factor, you, you've probably lost, um, you know, it, you've got, you've got the quality and, and speed and efficiency of things as well. So I, I always recommend getting multiple bids, multiple options um, on, on literally everything. Very good. So where are you at now, right? So you did the coaching, you got your license, you've done some investing. What's your portfolio look right now? And yeah. Yeah. So right now, you know, we've got, um, we've, we've liquidated a little bit of the portfolio so that we can be prepared for potential, uh, you know, potential market changes in the coming years. Of course, you know, we've all been talking about market changes and, and potential downfalls. That feels like since like 2017. Um, I think, you know, we're, we're being a little more conservative with the type of project, you know, uh, five years ago, we were taking on 10 projects at a time and some of them being, um, some of them being, you know, multi-million dollar flips. And, and we even, you know, we were, we were adding square footage. We were popping the top, we were scraping and, and building brand new properties. Now I'm, I'm leaning more towards the quicker holds, um, you know, smaller flips. I want to keep, I want to keep the rehab budgets under like probably $50,000 and, really getting into the, the smaller flips that, that can, we can turn. I am adding a little bit more wholesaling into our portfolio, just, you know, um, providing those deals, especially to our network. And again, capitalizing on a shorter hold time within those properties. And then um, with, with some of that liquidation, we've, we've really put, like I said, put our focus, we've got a small team, uh, focused on acquisitions on the commercial side of things. So really put some energy over there and, and patiently waiting to buy the the right properties there. Not, you know, we're not, we're not the type of, of investor that just needs to put money to work. Um, 
just to make it work. You know, the, the income that keeps the lights on is, is for me, the real estate license and the, uh, you know, the coaching business, right. That's, that's kind of what I, what I call the active income. Of course, you know, real estate investing is, is pretty active, but, um, we're, we're being a little more conservative right now as we, as we expect the market to make these shifts. Um, and so, you know, like I said, liquidate a little bit because cash is going to be king here in, in the coming years. And, and the seeing the market conditions, whether, whether it's our own cash or just being able to leverage our own cash into greater lines of credit or, or you know, greater uh, leverage, leverage ability. I don't know if that's a word, but ability to leverage, we'll say, uh, <laughs> is, is, I think is going to be going to be super important in, in the real estate market. You know, we saw we saw what happened in the last crash, the, the people with cash and the people with access to cash, you know, they, they expanded their wealth by massive, massive margins. And a lot of people took haircuts, but you know, there, there were certainly some people that came out on the, on the right side of things. So, you know, we, we've, we've even seen that just as recently as this year in 2020. So given, you know, or last year, I guess in, in 2020, given, given all the, the coronavirus. Yeah. Do you have concerns about where the, the commercial markets are going right now? Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a multifaceted equation. I would say, of course, you've got your, you know, your, your general um, real estate drivers, right. Supply and demand and supply is very low on the multifamily side. Although we're seeing a lot more indicators and leading indicators as opposed to lagging indicators. I'll explain that here in a second, but, but leading indicators would be, um, the number of renters and tenants in certain markets who can't make their payments nationwide, it's fairly low, but in certain markets, in certain areas, and even in certain sub markets of, you know, certain areas, they're seeing higher numbers. Okay. Obviously that leads to increased or, or excuse me, decreased income from, from a landlord perspective. So you start cutting off a landlord's income and all of a sudden he or she is faced with a very important question when this comes to the lagging indicator of do I sell, do I refinance? If you don't have tenants in, you know, if you don't have these paying tenants in place, it's a little hard to refinance and renegotiate a loan. So you get into these, these scenarios where what, what's driving it is a whole bunch of government stimulus and, and, you know, there's, there's some, some stimulus that's keeping people afloat, whether that be landlords and, and the small business or, you know, direct to consumer and, and those types of, of stimulus. But as you start to see that, I mean, eventually it's going to have to be a, it's, you're going to have to tear the bandaid off. So, you know, the economy is going to have to catch up. And, and so, what I see is, is more opportunity coming down the road. Right now, a whole bunch of sellers are in a rush to try to catch this window and cash in or cash out, I should say, cash in on their equity and just get out. Ah, so, so you think this is COVID, COVID related, essentially, a COVID yeah. related dip? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, you know, I mean, I mean, you get people out of work and then you get, or, or you have, um, you know, certain expenses and things. I mean, what we always see is a contraction of, of the real estate market into the B and C class apartments. So, you know, A class apartments, you know, people, people can't always afford to live there. So they drop down and, and cut their expenses. They, they move down to B class. 
right? B class tends to move down to C and then other people, right? Homeowners who, or, or home renters, right? They may, they may either sell or be forced out of the home and into those apartments. And really it all kind of just contracts right, right into the B and C class. Of course, the only other place to go would, would be homeless and, and be on the street. So it, for the most part, it, it contracts right into there. And so really anytime we get this, this sort of economic condition that's that's where we that's where we see it go very good so you're being conservative maybe have a little cash on the side waiting for opportunities yes yes i think that's important not to overpay right now and and you know not to get overextended very good and you mentioned about um you've been doing a lot of fix and flips how did you build your team yeah so um the, the team is ever evolving. I, I, when, when I'm coaching students, I always say there are four types of, uh, four, four categories of contacts and team members in your business that you will always need and, and you better always have replacements for because they could go at a moment's notice. Uh, it's, it's buyers and sellers, of course. It's lenders and financing and then it's contractors. All right, and, and contractors are, are the biggest, um, the the biggest piece that can really, you know, just up and leave at, at a moment's notice. You know, we've had contractors that we've had a great two or three year run with and, and done dozens of projects together. And all of a sudden just one, you know, something happens. They, they go, they get into trouble. A, a project gets into trouble. The relationship goes South, you name any of those factors and all of a sudden the relationship's gone. Mm-hmm. So the important part is, is always having good connections and, you know, if, if you're always getting multiple bids on every single trade, you know, going back to what we just talked about a few minutes ago, if you're always, ha- if you always have multiple options, you're always keeping your pencil the sharpest and you're, and you're making sure that people don't get complacent. They know they're always competing for your work. And that's been something that's really helped us. And then um, building the team, it really comes step by step. So, you know, at times we've, we've had good GCs who have had, you know, okay subs and um, maybe, maybe they've, they've lost a sub, maybe they've lost a a subcontractor being an electrician, a plumber, and we've got to help them fill that hole in their business. Other times, you know, we've, we've had great subcontractors and we've lost the GC and, and those subcontractors have helped us fill the GC hole in the business. So it really is truly, I mean, it's a team effort and, it, and it's just, it's always evolving. So you've got to be ready for um, evolution and change within contractors and within your team. And I think the team goes to, um, you know, lenders and realtors and title agents and really anybody that you ever need to use to close a deal, um, you know, before, before, we got on this call, you know, we were just talking about that deal I closed today. There was a time in our career where there might have been a title rep or a lender who, who flat out told us there's no way you can close a deal in three days, right? Like, like it's just not possible. And they would have fought us on it and tried to push us into extending the contract or doing something right. And we, we literally used a lender. It was the first time we'd ever used them and they closed the deal in three days. I mean, going from not having any contact with them to three business days later, their funding and entire closing was remarkable. So 
it, it's ever changing. It's always evolving. And, and you just got to kind of strap your boots on and be ready for it. Wow. Yeah. So you, you've closed this property in three days. You just closed today. Congratulations. Yes. Thank um, you. So is this going to be a fix and flip or a fix and hold? It is. Fix and flip, fix and flip. Yeah. The, the numbers may work out. We, we may be, we're right on the edge, which is really remarkable for a, for a Burr model fix and hold here in the Denver market. Um, you know, especially for single family, just given the way our, our market is, we're, we'll be right on the edge, but um, the, the planned exit strategy is, is fix and flip. Let's take a break and hear a word from our sponsor. Here at Stahl Realty, you are number one. I'm a realtor with HomeSmart, and my job is to make sure you are satisfied. Here is what one satisfied client of Stahl Realty had to say. Rick Stahl was an awesome asset in helping our family find a home that checks all our boxes. He is patient and committed. I would recommend calling upon his services. One of my favorite mottos is making milestones memorable. Buying or selling a house can be overwhelming, but with my guidance and expertise, I can make this process as smooth as possible. I can be reached via email at stylerealty at gmail.com or text call me at 720-429-3303. I look forward to hearing from you. And now, back to our show. What are your thoughts on some of the changes in the tax code that are coming our way? With a different uh, uh, presidential administration now coming into office, uh, I guess President-elect Biden now has been talking about increasing the uh, the capital gains taxes, uh, short term and long term, and so I'm wondering what that you know what that does to your planning and your thinking. Obviously, taxes just like any other uh, any other costs. If it goes up, you have things to, to think about there. But is there a, any particular steps or anything you take with that? Yeah. So in in you know a couple of our conversations with our accountant, and of course all of this is is uh, you know it's it's proposed, and we never know what is really going to make it to paper, right? And, and, you know, to be honest with you, I thought, I thought for the last few months, I thought we were in, I thought we were kind of in for the status quo and, and really no movement over the next few years, because I thought, I thought we'd have a, a Republican Senate, a Democratic House and, you know, Democratic president. So you've got a lot of balanced pieces there. Um, but in that right now that now that things have changed in, in the Senate with, with the Georgia runoffs, you know, and it's, it's, it's crazy a lot of people like to keep their, keep their uh, backs turned to politics. As an entrepreneur, you've got to be pretty tuned in, right? And, and so it's something that like, it, it's not a conversation that, that I can necessarily shy away from or, you know. So the, w- the conversations with our accountant, of course, and, and <laughs> I always say this, like hire a great accountant because they know what you need to do and have these conversations proactively um, I was, uh, you know, we're two weeks, three weeks away from, or, you know, removed from the, from the new year. And I was having all kinds of conversations with people on that week between Christmas and new year's of, oh, they're, you know, they're trying to make tax moves and, and making sure they make this, uh, you know, deduction or get, get credit for all of these other things. Right. And I mean, in the reality, the reality is, is as long as you've got the right amount of deductions, of course, real estate offers millions of tax breaks. I mean, I say millions, but I, I think it's obviously fewer tax breaks than that, but it's, it's, it's high, right. And, and real estate offers us a ton of, of tax breaks. So 
you know, I feel like, I feel like we're in a pretty good position. And, you know, my thought process is always like, Hey, if these, if these big companies can figure out a way to, to write off their tax, tax, uh, burden to, to next to nothing, all I got to do is find the right people who can help me make those moves within the business to just reduce the tax burden and whatever the rules are, you know, the, the, the people that are writing them, they leave themselves openings because, we're human and we all do things for ourselves. So I just have to make sure I have the right, you know, the smart people on my side to find those, we'll call them loopholes, but they're really just, you know, they're written in they're, they're legal rules that we can use to our benefit as entrepreneurs. And so it, it doesn't, it doesn't worry me as much as a lot of people think it should, I would say, you know, for me, it's just kind of like, let's, see what the rules are. Let's play by them and, and, you know, figure, figure out our way to, to, to win the game within the rules provided. Yeah. And that uh, CPA or tax accountant is part of your team. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Worth every penny that I pay her every single year. I mean, she was, she was calling us on uh, actually on December 31st when she started reading the new stimulus with, you know, the, the second round of, of PPP funding and, and discussing, you know, potential ways to, um, you know, to, to apply or qualify for PPP funding and just different things, right. Having that proactive conversation, you know, like I said, she's the one picking up the phone, calling us as her clients. And that's the thing, you know, that's the thing we really look for because most accountants are, you know, you, you, call them up at the first of the year and go deliver all your documents. They sort through it and say, here's what you're owe, you know, here's what you owe where I'm having these conversations 12 months prior to, to help my tax situation for what's going to be due in 2022. Very good. All right. So like, can we go back to your coaching? So pretend, uh, yes, Doug, come to you for coaching because you're actively coaching, right? Yes. Yeah. So here's Rick and Doug. What do you tell us? What, how do you even start the coaching process? So my coaching is, is very customized and, and I've got, you know, I've got experience in from coaching and my own deals in everything from, you know, being a realtor, investing in single family, wholesaling, flipping, um, you know, huge scrapes and new builds, hiring, firing and, and scaling a business and some of my specialties also are actually most of my specialty is, you know, internet and lead generation, social media, branding, things like that. So really it, it's, it's fairly customizable, but what I found is the most important thing. And a lot of people overlook this, especially when they're hiring a coach is the mindset aspect. And, and so many people want a coach that literally will just walk them through step-by-step, step, like, feed me, spoon feed me how to do a deal because I'm sure every real estate deal is the same is, is the thought process. And really what a, what a good coach needs to be able to do is free up the things that are going on in your mind and, and allow you to think for yourself in the time that you're together and beyond. I think the mark of a good coach is a few things. One when, when I hear people say, oh, I've been coaching with this guy, like, like I've been going to this coach for three years or five years or 10 years. My first thought process is what's wrong with that coach or what's wrong with your relationship with the coach. There's a, there's a dependency there, right? My students, 
I would like to coach them for six or 12 months max. And, and honestly never see them because they grow outgrow me. And, and then they're, they're having so much success. They, they outgrow me. Um, and I think the, the mindset piece, if I could, if I could create a visual for the, for the listeners here, it would be a good mindset coach can take a, can take your brain and your thought process as a flow of a river. And if you can imagine all of the boulders that dam up a river and the mindset coach literally just picks those boulders up and helps you remove them out of your way. What does the river do after that? It just flows, right? I don't have to tell it how to go and find deals or, or, you know, how to analyze a property. Of course, if you need to know that information, cause you've never learned it, then I'm, I'm here and we can walk through that. But the majority of the things that are holding us back, you know, that, that secret sauce to success, like is just simply removing some of those boulders out of your way and letting yourself flow. Cause your, your mind and your body already know the right answer. Sometimes we just fight it and because we want it to be different. So what would be some of the biggest boulders that you help remove? So I, so this is actually one of my recent certifications that I, that I studied for was in NLP, neurolinguistic programming. And there's, there's multiple therapies within that body of work. And really what it, what it goes down to is a lot of the boulders can be things like limiting decisions or limiting beliefs. They can be past traumas, right? We learn things and, and the way we do something, the way we process something is is built over time, right? We may, um, you know, we may fall flat on our faces as a child, like a toddler, and we feel this internal pain because we literally just hit our face, but we, we get up and, and we see other people responding to that in a specific way. And so what our brain starts to do is create, um, create patterns, to where anytime we feel pain, it, we may not fall flat on our face, but if we're feeling pain in certain ways, we expect that reaction out of other people. And this is a, this is a very, very specific example, but it, it really, you know, I, I think it, it can kind of open up the conversation of just a, a broader awareness of how our minds work. And so, so what happens is through life, we start to develop those patterns. Well, through NLP, there are tools and different therapies to use to allow yourself to learn from those events, become aware of those events, and then like break that chain of events. So it, it doesn't, you, you no longer have that same reaction. And, and because you're aware of it now, you've, you're able to flush it away. So really it's, it's, it's a lot of awareness within your mind. And, and once you're aware of something, it becomes very easy to consciously make a decision and move a different direction or, or create a different outcome. Yeah. Doug, do you have any questions about the coaching aspect before we move on? No, uh, I was kind of wondering about that too, but I think you hit it on the head. Thanks Rick. Reading my mind over here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I think uh, the mindset of how, where you want to go and, and, uh, determines a lot. I mean, you can have all the opportunities you want, but 
you know, if, if, if you don't think you're good enough to go ask that beautiful girl out, right. You're not going to ask her. Right. So, right. Well, and that's, that's part of it too. You, that's a great example. That's a, that's a great example because you can have a, um, that can, that can be, it could be like a limiting belief for something inside you, or it literally could just be an obstacle on your way to a goal. And so I always tell my students this, it, it's that a, um, obstacle, the presence of obstacles are proof that a goal exists. Okay. Or evidence that a goal exists. So if, if you think about something, right, like if, if I told you that I was looking at plane tickets to Australia tomorrow, right. And normally out of Denver to Australia, these plane tickets are, you know, 2000 bucks, 1800 to 2000 bucks round trip. Right. But, but tomorrow or later this week, they're, they're all being, you know, they're all priced at 4,500 bucks, right? Would you have a problem breaking out a credit card and, and putting, you know, paying for a $4,500 flight? Uh, yeah, that's a lot of money. Well, well, you would only have a problem with it if you wanted to go to Australia, right? Okay. You would only have a problem with it if you said, I need to get on this plane and go to Australia to end this week right? Otherwise it's not an obstacle for, it's not an obstacle for me because I'm not going to Australia. Okay. So, so when you look at obstacles that are presented to you in life, right. And, and it's, whether it's, I got to get this deal closed or I need to, I need to find five more clients this month or something, right. That's that obstacle is only present because you have set a goal and this is the way to achieve that goal. Very good. Very good. Right. Yeah. All right. Um, so, so this is the secret sauce for success show. So what are some of the secret sauce? What is, what is some of your ingredients? I've, I've seen you from afar, you know, on our social media sites and that I think some of your strengths are digital, you know, your digital marketing is, is gotta be right up there. And so what do you think your, your ingredients of, of success are? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So I would say it's, you know, outwardly it displays as yes, lead generation, digital marketing absolutely is one of, is one of my secret sauces to success. Great communication and negotiation is another outward display of, of the skill set. Um, you know, sales and, and negotiation, they go, they go hand in hand. And inwardly though, I think it, it, it all stems from a few things. One, my desire to constantly be learning. Um, I'm, I'm always, always learning and taking in new information and seeing how it can apply to what I'm already doing. So not, you know, not necessarily taking in information because I think I need to go a different direction, but just taking that in some way, shape or form, it will come back and, and I'll be able to use it. Um, I, I have a genuine desire to see people succeed whether that's my family and, and people around me or my coaching students or literally anyone who I have no affiliation with or, or literally will never take a dime from um, like you, you could literally post on Facebook and say, you know, that you just found a great deal and I didn't help you get there. I, anything I'm going to be freaking pumped for you. All right. And, and that I think is, is a mindset that, that, people have to embrace and and someone else's success does does not ever affect my success or my ability 
to have success. Now, right? does that does that stem from like the operating out of a scarcity mindset versus a uh, abundant mindset? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. That that's where I equate it. Is you know, if you have a scarcity mindset, you think there's limited resources in this world or or, or limited available success. Um, then, then yeah, it comes from, it comes from that. And, and, you know, my abundance, my abundant mindset is, you know what, there, there's enough out there for everybody. And the reason I know that there's enough out there is because there's such a large majority and we're talking, you know, 99% of people, they don't call people the 1% for nothing, right? Like the top 1% just do things that other people don't do. And so I'm, I'm of the mindset where I can share freely and, and, you know, Rick, I know you've seen this in, in my groups and on my social media, I don't hold back, right? I will literally give and give and give. And I know that 99% of people will take that information. They'll file it away and say, cool. And they'll just go on their way and do the same thing they've always been doing. 1% of the people will take action and, and apply it at a high level and we'll make a difference. And, and those will be the people. So I know the odds are always stacked in our favor, as long as we are constantly improving and we're taking action every single day. So I'm never worried about, about a scarcity of anything. Very good. Very good. So, so what are um, some of the, you say, uh, Brooks, excuse me again, Rick, oh. you say, Brooks, that you uh, are obviously a person who likes to, to learn things and, and expand your horizon. You mentioned that you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. We're a fan of that book. What other uh, books have you read? What other sources do you go to for information? Yeah, Actually, great question. What are some of your favorite books? That's that's maybe a better question. Great question. Great question. So I uh, one, of, one of my favorite books, I read this once a year, is How to Win Friends and Influence People, uh, Dale Carnegie. That's so I, yeah, and, and so I... I also, I, I read, I listen to a lot of audiobooks, but I also consume video and, and like to listen, you know, or, you know, like to watch shows and things like that. So, um, I'm, I'm big on, on podcasts and, and like YouTube content as well. So it, for me, reading kind of ebbs and flows for me as a kid, I never really was a huge reader. I love books. I just, I got to find my flow to get into it. Um, So that's, that's one big book. And I'm kind of looking over here at my bookshelf here um, to, to um, remind me, I, this is, this is more of a personal book, but it definitely helped me for relating to people. And, and it's, it's the five love languages. Um, It could be applied to, it could be applied just simply to communication. Right. And, and starting to understand, um, who people are and how they want their, to, to feel their love. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be intimate love. It, it just is love. Right. Um, that's, that was a big one for me. And then I was a big fan. I was also a big fan of the 10 X rule with, with Grant Cardone. I'm not the, I'm not the biggest like Grant Cardone guy, but I, I loved the way he expanded his thinking. And then finally, um, crushing it with Gary V. I love pretty much Gary V could, could stand up on stage or, or put a video out of anything. And I will sit there. Like I'm watching, you know, the space shuttle take off for the very first time. Like I'm, I love the guy. I think, I, I think his mindset is perfect. I, I just like, I have a man crush on him and I could consume literally anything and everything that he puts out. Very good. I, I got some reading. Say his name one more time. 
What's that? I'm sorry. Just say his name one more time. Oh, that Gary V. Gary Vaynerchuk. Gary Vanderchuk. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Just Gary V. For short, he goes is, is he goes by that on online. Gary V. E. E. Okay. So Brooks, what do you do for fun? Well, I love to play golf. Uh, you can find me. You can find me on the golf course in the summer. And I actually, I, I played golf in college. So it's a, uh, it, it's something that I've always been very good at and, and, uh, love, love the play. So, um, you can catch me normally I'll, I'll catch a, catch an early round. I'm definitely like a first tee time out kind of guy catch me at, you know, six forty-five or 7.00 AM quick tee time. And, and I can have 18 holes in by like nine o'clock. So that is, I, I love it. Um, the, I'm also a, a college baseball umpire. So in the spring, I'm traveling pretty much every weekend to, uh, to different colleges around the Western half of the country and, and umpire and baseball. So um, that's a lot of my fun. I, I love, uh, my girlfriend and I love, love to uh, go on date nights for, for wineries or, or just going out to dinner and exploring some, some local restaurants. I, I love my food. And I'm the type of guy that likes to try the same meal at different places and see all their takes on it. So that's, uh, that's some of my, my fun stuff. Yeah. Very good. And what's your favorite meal? So I would probably have to say breakfast burrito always sticks out. I love, love breakfast burritos. I think if there's one thing that's like a staple in my diet, it's a breakfast burrito. Very good. And where's the go-to place for a breakfast burrito? So if it's on the go, it's, it's, it's always Santiago's. Um, that's well, I should, I, I should caveat that nothing beats the golf course. So when I'm, when I'm at the golf course, love those, um, the city of Aurora golf course is where I grew up playing as a kid. Like I, I will forever have those as like, it, that that is anchored to my childhood and, and my best memories on the golf course. So, nice. so golf course burritos for sure. But uh, if I, if I'm on the go Santiago's burritos, I love, I love picking those up, whether it's just, you know, at home or, or, you know, taking them to a contractor and, and, you know, sharing them with the crew on Friday mornings or whatever. Um, if it is, if it's in person, um, I'd have to say, I, I like, I really, really like Doug's day diner burritos uh, the location down off Parker and Quincy is the one that, that I love the most. There are a lot of different takes on it. I think, uh, I think you, you can't get too crazy with the breakfast burrito in my mind, because it's gotta be just, it's gotta be fairly simple. It's gotta be fairly simple. Um, oh, actually what just popped into my head too is, is all time. Like, I don't get this more than maybe once a year, maybe twice a year. If I'm lucky all time, best burritos, a uh, best breakfast burrito is Azteca, in steamboat springs so if you're ever up there they they make everything fresh it's you know that you get an actual like patty of hash browns on there um it it's the absolute best they've got great um great spices and sauces and stuff you can put on there so you can get some salsa on there i love it absolutely love it excellent very good so where where can the listeners uh find find you find uh coaching or real estate or how can they get over yeah absolutely so i mean i'm on every social media channel but but mainly i'm on facebook and instagram every every uh social media facebook um facebook instagram linkedin 
um, YouTube, just Brooks O'Hearn, right? That's just, just my name. So B-R-O-O-K-S-O-H-E-A-R-N. Um, obviously I you know, can never put the apostrophe in the, uh, in the username. So, um, so yeah, Brooks O'Hearn is, is my username for Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and, and those are my, those are my staples. So the, that's the easiest way to connect with me. I, I post a lot out there. I, especially on Instagram, I do a lot of free content and, and just, you know, love to share and, and can always find me with, uh, with some fun, fun jokes and, and good content for real estate investors and, and anybody in real estate. Great. Well, um, I think that concludes our interview. So thank you so much for coming on Secret Sauce for Success and, and sharing your wisdom with us. Guys, I appreciate you having me. I had a lot of fun talking to you guys tonight and uh, th this has been awesome. So thank you. Thank you very much for having me. That's yeah, our pleasure. Thanks for being on here. It was really it was enjoyable. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Wow, that was quite the interview with Brooks. Doug, what do you think? Man, that was great. I, that guy was a lot of fun to talk to. Really loved his energy levels and uh, the knowledge that he has. I took several things away from that uh, interview, and, and really it took a while for me to kind of come up with two or three things that I thought were really the crux of it. Because the, the truth of the matter is it could be a 10-item list, right? I mean, there just could be a lot of things. It could be a 25-item list. But let's not be ridiculous. Let's just go with the top three. And uh, that'll say, you know, that'll, that'll get real concise for us. So what I think is, is really the most interesting about him is I listen to everything that he's doing. He's got this kind of focused energy, right? Where he's thinking about his business all the time. He eats, he sleeps, he drinks his business. That's what it is uh, that's driving his life. And he loves what he does. And I think that's so great. So he, he focuses on his business. He does everything he can to learn about his business. So he's reading. He's got several books he likes to read, uh, he, or rather that he has read that he's enjoyed. He's got several authors that he likes to read uh, and uh, doesn't limit it to just kind of those traditional sources. He listens to podcasts. He listens to, uh, um, to YouTube videos and things of that nature. And so he's always open to new sources of information and finding new information from wherever he can get it. I think that's awesome. And this abundance mindset that he had, one of the lines that he said, or one of the things that he said that stuck out at, at me was, there's enough for everybody. The people who want to get involved, there's enough for everybody. So everybody can do this who really wants to do it. There's, there's plenty out there. And one person's success doesn't mean that another person is, uh, is not successful, right? So my success doesn't take away from yours. And I think that's, that's great stuff. I love that. So so uh, yeah, Brooks, thanks, man. That was awesome. Really, really great. What about you, Rick? I mean, everybody's got a kind of a different viewpoint on this stuff. What'd you take out of it? Yeah, um, I, I really liked, you know, all of it. First of all, go back and re-listen to the, the whole thing again, and I'm sure you'll find more. Uh, so he, he, he has coached 2,000 students. I mean, that's just so impressive. Incredible. And, and I love the analogy of, of removing the boulders and letting the, the, the river or the brook uh, flow. <laughs> uh, so I really like that. Just kind of, you know, a lot of people have uh, internal hindrances that, that prevent them from really reaching the, the, their full potential. Everybody does. So I'm, I'm glad that how he worded that and how he helps people. Um, 
you know, just his parents helped him with his entrepreneur mindset, you know, uh, uh, reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, cash flow game on vacation, you know, he quit traditional college. Uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, he has it going on. So my three things that I took away, uh, I'm going to start number three, the lower end and work to the high one, right? So number three, I thought multiple income sources. He has the coaching, he has the investments, and he has the uh, you know real estate agent thing going. I thought that was a good good way to diversify. Uh, number two was multiple bids. I always get multiple bids. I struggle with that one. I like to use the people I like, and I don't always uh, you know just really hone in on that one. So I could work on that one. And my the thing I was impressed with is his digital presence, and is is just his personal presence too. But he is out there in Instagram and Facebook and YouTube, uh, anywhere you want to go. Brooks O'Hearn is there, you know, and, he, and he's delivering. So, uh, you know, I could, you know, improve there too as well. So it really, as we interview these people, it really, we, we definitely have a lot to take note of and what we can improve on ourselves. Yeah, really. Really, I, that's, I think, my favorite part of being a part of this podcast is that I've been uh, kind of rejuvenated, right, reinvigorated when it comes to thinking about investments and thinking about other entrepreneurial uh, efforts that I've kind of wanted to get into. And these people are, are really kind of pushing the right buttons for me. So not only are they inspirational, but they're informational as well. And so I'm getting a lot of good tips and a lot of good things from these guys so really excited about that it's been a lot of fun i really appreciate uh, the opportunity to be here and talk to them so yeah great stuff man great absolutely all right well um doug do you want to take us out of here and we'll meet up again next week yeah absolutely rick thanks again man, for having me on thanks everybody for listening and joining us we'll look forward to having you next time and uh you know like i said before live outside of your means and uh Make your dreams come true. Follow Oscar Wilde's lead. Everybody have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Secret Sauce for Success show, where we find the secret ingredients for success. We all want to be successful in life. So let's break down the steps it takes to get there and learn from other people's journeys. We hope that through the stories you hear on our show, you will find success in your life.